Good morning. All right. So, yeah, so a little bit of a, if you remember what the um, last week we said, we'd be looking at John, the way, the truth, and the life, but just as I got into the passage and studying this week, um, just, uh, yeah, a little bit of a right turn. And, and I hope that's just an example of what um, this journey, I hope, is going to be like as we look for God to lead us, to teach us, to show us what it is that he wants us to be and what we are to do as a church. And so I'm excited for this morning. Um, I don't know, does, uh, to find out, what did God say to you this past week, since last week? Anybody have anything just as you were seeking what does this mission mean? What is it God has for us? Did anybody have any kind of aha moments? Anything, even little pieces? Maybe just something you're chewing on, something you're uh, wrestling with, haven't found the answer to yet. So, so no, I was serious last week when I said uh, we were, <laughs> we're, we're going to be seeking together, and, uh, and so I'm not going to let you off the hook. So, um, so we're going to do it together this week, okay? So grab your Bibles. I'm actually going to come down there just so I can hear you better. You're going to preach half the sermon, so, um, so get your Bibles, please. If you don't have your Bibles with you, grab them. There is one in the chair in front of you, but I would like... Um, you to bring your Bibles for this. Well, I'd like you to always bring your Bibles, but, but I think it would be good. Bring it. Bring something to write in. There is paper in the chair in front of you. There's a little sermon note sheet. If you need a piece of paper, there's the, the sheet from last week. We've replenished that, so there is uh, those there as well. Um, you can write on that if you'd like, um, or there's just kind of a little piece of white slip paper there somewhere too, but, but bring your Bibles. The electronics cool. Make notes in your phone. There's lots of Bible apps. You can add notes and whatever, but... Um, you can turn to that Matthew chapter 28, and uh, we're going to be looking at that and uh, looking at it together. And so, uh, yeah, bring your Bibles. It's okay to write your Bible. Mark it up. Put some notes in there. Okay. If you need a Bible, talk to us. We have. I have Bibles in the office. I'd be happy to give you kids' ones as well. If your kids don't have a Bible, we have kids' Bibles. We'd be happy to give you one. Okay. So um, let's just kind of a little refresh. So um, last week, what did uh, anything from last week? Remember, what were some of the main things we talked about last week? Passage, yeah, Carolyn? Okay, and it is? Amen. Thank you. Yeah, so just those points we talked about last week, that we need the Holy Spirit. Remember, we looked at the first bit of Acts, that book, the, the historical recording, Luke recorded, of the beginning of the early church. So Jesus ascends, and actually we looked at that portion. Luke records that. The last words he said before he, whoop, up into heaven he goes, right? What he leaves the disciples with. And he says, go back to Jerusalem. Wait, wait the Holy Spirit. Don't do anything without the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's going to come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. Acts 1.8. If you're looking for a good reference to look in, Acts 1.8. That was kind of the main verse for last week. Um, and you will be my witnesses, and it starts in, in Jerusalem, right where they are, 
and then Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so that's what we looked at last week, yes. We talked about, and it, and it ended with those disciples saying, and they gathered together, they went to Jerusalem, they obeyed Jesus, they went to Jerusalem, they gathered together in one accord and devoted themselves to this mission and to prayer. Okay, and that's kind of what we said. That was our takeaway from last week. Um, and so this week, we're going to carry on. We're, we're looking, we're asking that question, what is the mission that Jesus gave us? And so Matthew chapter 28 is often referred to as the Great Commission. And, uh, and so it's probably familiar to, to many of you. Um, it's actually, there's a, this same Great Commission is, um, you can find it in all the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and uh, in different forms, and uh, we'll have some notes. By the way, over, you remember there used to be a kind of a coffee table kind of thing for the upstairs? Just on the, on the way out, you'll see it on the right. Um, we're, uh, we're making that, um, there'll be notes and stuff like that. If you want some take-home notes, there'll be stuff on there, and it'll have the points from today, and you can take those home for further stuff, um, further study on your own, okay? But just to start off, what is, if you just... Maybe without looking at stuff, just off the, just from your knowledge, where a lot of us grew up in church, what is Jesus' mission? What is our mission as a church? Someone asked you that on the street. What's, it, what's the mission of the church? I don't know if anybody would ever ask you on the street. but To make disciples. To make disciples is probably one of the first answers. And where would we, any scripture references on what, where that might say we're to do that? Sorry? So the actual scripture reference. Yeah, for, for make disciples. That should be an easy one from today's text. Oh, Matthew 28, good. Yes. Well, look at that one today. Yes. Making disciples. What else? What else is in the mission of the church? What else would we put in that? What else are we to do and be and do as church? Love others. Yes, the great commandment. So we have the great commission and the great commandment. Love others. Where does that come from? Who said that? Sorry? Great commandment. Anybody remember the context of that one? Who said that? So that was Jesus. A Pharisee comes up to Jesus and says, what is the, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus responds with, love, he quotes the Old Testament, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. And the second one is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. The golden rule, right? If you didn't know the golden rule is in the Bible, Jesus said it. <laughs> all right? And uh, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets. In other words, the whole scriptures, Hebrew scriptures, is based on those two foundational commandments. So that's Matthew 22, um, the, great, uh, the great commandment. If you're making notes, Matthew chapter 22, um, it's like verse 36. It'll be in the notes at the back. So if you're looking for a reference for that one. So yes, so we, um, we love one another. We make disciples. Anything else as far as our mission? Amen. So we're, thank you. So uh, Lazarus took us right to what we're going to look at today. So Matthew chapter 28, last, last said, baptizing and teaching, and we're going to look at that today. So um, this is just what Carolyn mentioned at the beginning. This is what from our, our review from last week. To understand this mission Jesus gave us, we need the Holy Spirit to lead us. Um, the mission he gave us is urgent, and, we're, and to accomplish this, we're going to need to be unified, devoted, and praying. So that was kind of the, that's the notes from last week. 
So this week, Matthew chapter 28, starting at verse, well, I'm going to read 16 and 17. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And then he goes into this great commission, Jesus, what Jesus says. So this event um, that Matthew is writing about here, we're going to this mountain. A lot of scholars believe it's probably the same one that Paul notes in 1 Corinthians 15. If you know that passage where Paul says, and Jesus showed himself to more than 500 at one time on a mountain. So a lot of scholars believe this is probably the same event. Um, we do know if you look at the other Gospels, um, you'll see where he is, they, they note as well that Jesus spoke to them on a mountain in, at different points after his resurrection. And so I'm just going to guess that probably Jesus gave this great commission, the contents of this instruction, more than once. During that 40 days that he was here from the resurrection to the ascension, this was probably the core of what he was um, looking to communicate to his disciples, right? And so this is, this is Matthew records it um, for the end of his. He wants to kind of put a punctuation mark to the end of his book that he wrote, his gospel, the good news of Jesus. And so this is how Matthew ends his gospel. And he records this event when they went to the mountain. It says the 11 disciples, but likely it doesn't mean it was only 11. We know the 11 were there, but likely it was the 11 plus many more disciples as well. And so and then Jesus gives this, verse 18, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. What's the significance of that? All authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. Why would Jesus start his great commission with that? He's in control and he's in charge. Yeah. Yeah. You need authority to make things happen. Establishes his qualifications. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. He defeated Satan at the cross, and so now he's in, in full authority over sin and death, right? And, and that's exactly it. I mean, we know Matthew. Matthew talks about Jesus' authority a lot. And so we know Jesus already displayed a lot of his authority during his earthly ministry here. He, authority, remember the, the end of the, the, um, the Sermon on the Mount? It says the people were amazed at his teaching because it had authority, right? And, and, and Matthew records how he had authority. He used the same word, authority over demons, authority to heal, authority to forgive sins. Remember the paralyzed man, right? And the Pharisees are like, who has, gives you this authority? And he has the authority to forgive sins. And so Matthew's noting this, but it's exactly like, like Dan just said, that, that he, this point, he's coming to his disciples, he's now resurrected, he's now conquered sin and death. And so now he's saying, all authority, now all that was broken by sin in this world, I've conquered, I've overcome all of that, all authority. And I thought, it, it, it kind of goes to Philippians, Paul quotes a, a, a hymn, an early church hymn. If you flip over to Philippians chapter 2, just quickly. Philippians chapter 2, I think this kind of summarizes for us what, what he's talking about with this authority. Philippians chapter 2, fairly well-known passage. Most scholars believe that this was a early church hymn. Remember, they wouldn't have had written copies of the Bible like we do, and so the gospel went forth verbally, right? They told, and one of the ways that we remember as humans is through song, and so this was likely an early church hymn, 
that was used to basically share the gospel. And so starting at verse 5, so Paul's to have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. And then I picture him start to sing, and who though he was, or something, I'm not going to sing, but who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born, we just, we just came through Christmas, right? This is that, that birth, the incarnation, being born in the likeness of men, being found in human form, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. There's Jesus' earthly life, right? That's what we talked about that during the Christmas time. We talked about just how incredible it is that the King of Kings, Lord and Lords, would humble himself, be born as a baby in a stable, take on this weak flesh, you know, be willing to live out this human life and experience all the pain and the toil and betrayal and eventually be killed. I mean, Jesus took on that life, but then, so this is, here's the authority part that we're talking about. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven, angels, the whole angelic realm, on earth, all of us, under the earth, every spiritual, right? Jesus, over all, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. Amen? There's the authority. There's the authority. And so this is the picture. Jesus, is, Jesus has come. They, they've, he's now proven he's the Messiah, right? And so all these disciples, disciples who believe he's the Messiah, they've seen him resurrected now. They join him on this mountain. He's about to give them his great commission, and he starts with, hey, look it, this is all going, this is all pointing towards, it's all going to end with me, right? In the end, where all of this is going to, in the end, where this is going to end, is every knee bowing before me, every tongue confessing that I'm Lord. That's where we're headed, okay? So, so with that authority, you know now, disciples, this is where it's heading. At some point, he's going to come back. Remember the angels from last week that said he's coming back the same way he left, through the clouds, right? So, so just like that, until that point, that's where it's all headed to. I've been given all authority. And then someone mentioned there, he now the power comes from him, that the authority he gives it, I forget who said that, but now Jesus is going to go. Remember how we have to have the Holy Spirit? Because it's his power working through us to do this mission. And so he's establishing, it's all my authority. It's all coming to where I'm, the, you know, at some point, every, this is where it's all headed. Every knee's going to bow, every tongue confess. And I'm about to give you a great commission. I'm about to give you your mission. And don't forget that this is my authority that I'm going to be imparting to you. And so then he starts. Go, therefore. Therefore. Okay, so based on all the authority, all of it's mine. It's all headed for me. Therefore, go. What does he mean by go? It's an action word. Yeah. Sorry? Yes. We have to do what he wants us to do, right? Again, that, that's that authority, right? Go, it's an action word. There's some action to it. Yeah. Does it mean that after the service today, we all have to quit our jobs, sell everything we have, and go be missionaries? No? Uh-huh. Where are you 
planted, yeah. And actually, it's right in there, we, it's, but the, the, the Greek here is present active. So, usually won't go into that detail, but just that's important for this one because it means that it could be better translated maybe as you were going. As you were going, right? And, and it's exactly what you're talking about. It's that God, I, I still marvel, I mentioned last week too, that Jesus chose for this mission to be, to be through us. You know, God didn't have to do that. He could have chosen to write it in the sky and leave it there permanently. You know, I'm resurrected. Put John 3.16 in the sky. Just leave it there. Anybody can read it anytime they want. You know, he could, just, he could just show up on your 12th birthday and be like, okay, and just show up in your room and explain it to you, every human being or something. You know, he could, but he chose to do it through us. Right? Isn't that amazing? And so he knew where you would be. He knew the place where you'd work, the people that he'd put in your life and around you. And so as you are going, and it's an active word, there's, there's active participation in it. It's not passively as you're going. Maybe if something comes up and someone happens to come up and say, ask you a question, you answer it. Of course you would. But there's an active to it. There's a going. And I, and, and I do say, and there's an obedience. And we obey it, right? That's that, that authority again. Mm-hmm. And so as you are going, what are we to do? We're to make disciples. Go, therefore, and make disciples. So I guess first off, we need to know what a disciple is. Anybody want to, what is a disciple? Sorry? A student. Yeah, that's a good word. A student. So you have a teacher. Okay. Any other? What's Followers. Yeah, so you, you're following somebody. You know, Jesus said to his disciples, come follow me, right? Mm-hmm. Where was that? Uh, yeah, so that come follow me, that gives a good picture, right? So if you think of the disciples that Jesus called and what we have, the ones that they record, were recorded how that happened, you think of the fishermen, right? Peter and Andrew, James and John, and Jesus comes to them on the shoreline and they're fishermen, and he says, come follow me, and it says they dropped their nets and followed him. Or for, for James and John, it says, and they left their father. So I just want you to picture this for us to really kind of resonate with it. And again, a disciple, someone said student, maybe a, a better example today would be an apprentice. So if you do an apprenticeship, you have a, a master tradesman that you're looking to learn from, and they're teaching you as you're actively working and doing what they're teaching you, right? That kind of an idea. That's what a disciple would have been. But it's, it's a whole life thing. It's a matter of you've, you've dedicated your whole life to be like the master in every way. That's what a disciple was. They literally leave home and follow the rabbi and do everything the rabbi did. And so Jesus walks up. I mean, he didn't know them before this. Can you imagine? You're an apprentice to be a carpenter. And so you're working on the job site, you got your truck, all your tools, you're in the middle of a build, maybe it's a family business, so you're there working with your dad and your brothers, and all of a sudden Jesus walks up and he's like, come follow me, we're going to build the kingdom now. You know, instead of fish for men, come build the kingdom, and follow me, and you're just like, all right, drops the hammer, and <laughs> you know, leave the truck, leave the tools, your entire livelihood, you just turn your, and walk, and just follow him. I mean, that's the level that, the, the, that they did. Matthew left a pretty lucrative tax collector business, just walked away from his booth, turned his back and walked away. Isn't that incredible? 
That's what it means to be a disciple. Doug? Mm-hmm. Where, where, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Yeah, that idea. I like uh, another way of phrasing it is put your money where you want your heart to be. I always thought that was a good one. That was a good... Uh, but um, yeah, but that same idea. So it's this commitment. We know a disciple is there's a committed... I'm committing my life. My life is going to be following you and understanding. My, I want my life to match yours. That's what a disciple is. And so we're looking to make disciples. And so this make disciples... Um, to make a disciple, it's actually one word in the Greek. So maybe better for us it would be like disciple half hyphen makers, disciple makers. So if we were to, that first verse again, it'd be kind of more like, as you are going, be disciple makers. Okay? That's kind of what it's saying. And so we're looking to make more of these followers of Jesus. That's what a disciple is. And what else? If you think about, think about any scripture verses come to mind that Jesus said to his disciples that characterize a disciple. If you are my disciple, you, to be my disciple, you must, anything come to mind? Sir? Follow me? Yeah? There's a little another couple of words in there. Something, something and follow me. Pick up your cross. Leave your father and mother. Yeah. Yeah, in one gospel, he actually says, if you don't hate your father and mother, we'll talk about that another. It's, it's a comparison. He's trying to, he's making a, an overstatement to try and get them to understand how big the gap should be between your dedication to him and your dedication to the rest of your life. But yeah, take up your cross and follow me. So again, you have that. It's, it's a full life devotion, right? And to follow him, you take up your cross. That was a symbol of death, Right? and follow him to be your disciple. Any other ones? Any, any other scriptures come to mind about Jesus saying, to be my disciple, you have to, you must. Sorry? Die to the flesh. Die to yourself. Yeah, that's actually in the same, the same section, yeah, where Jesus is talking about that. He gives that same imagery. You need to, anybody who looks to save their life will lose it, but lose their life will, will be saved. That's that same section when Jesus is teaching on that. I can find a reference for you. And then you, Matthew 16. So if you want to make a note for later. You can find that. Um, yeah, another one is in John chapter 8. He says, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. Mm-hmm. And, and then we'll look at it in a, in a number of weeks. I don't know when, but the, when John 15, when Jesus is talking about the vine and the branches, and he says, he talks again about how you need to abide in me, being his disciples made. And so there is, there is that taking up your cross, which is that surrender of your life, right, to be his disciple, but then there is this ongoing abiding. He's the vine, we are the branches, we're abiding in his word. And so there's that obedience. And we're going to see that that makes sense as to what Laz said earlier about then making disciples. What do you do? You baptize and you teach, right? Because baptism is that symbol of that surrender of your life. That's that public declaration, I've given up my life and to follow you, Right? And that's the baptizing piece. And then the teach them to obey everything that I've commanded you is the teaching part which follows afterwards. That's the abiding in him is obeying what he says. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. And so just to pause here, I want to ask us a few questions. So this passage that we're reading here from Matthew, um, 
does it, is it written to us? Does it apply to us? Yes? Okay. Um, with Jesus' authority, do we have to obey it? Okay. All right. <clears throat> so, Jesus has said, and are we his disciples? Are we disciples? Amen. Amen. So, A, as a follower, can we say that if you are, call yourself a Christian, you are also a disciple? Is it fair to make that a... No? No, I'm... I'm no, go ahead. Okay, no, good, thank you, because you got the wheels turning. Yeah, Lynn's, Lynn's saying there's something like maybe should, all Christians should be disciples. Mm-hmm. Again, that, that disciple, we've defined it as you've surrendered your life to follow the master, you've given up your life, you're saying I'm going to live, I'm going to follow my master and want to be like him, surrender, right? And then I'm going to abide in his word, I'm going to obey. That's what a disciple is. Sorry, I just thought of something just as I... Because I never thought of that distinction. I thought, yeah, yeah, they're equal. Now you got the wheels turning. Um, but, but I don't know. Tell me if I'm way off here. If you're, not a, if you're not a disciple, are you a real Christian? Is that too strong? Okay. Mm-hmm. Free will, we need to choose to follow him. Amen. If you're a real Christian, you can't stop yourself from discipling. Amen. It's like your favorite movie. If you saw a movie you think is awful, you go and tell people and you share about that. Amen. Amen. That's the only way that life makes sense, isn't it? There shouldn't be a bored Christian, I like to say, right? It just doesn't, there's something's disconnected. Something's disconnected. Okay, and so we're disciples. And we go and we make disciples. And kind of the, so if, if, follow me here, if a disciple, if the goal is to be like the master and, and obey the master and be like him, and Jesus was our master and he made disciples, is it fair to say that as disciples, we are supposed to be, as part of being a disciple, kind of the definition of it, we are to be making disciples? Okay. All right, so making sense. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Why does he say all nations? What's he mean by that? Everybody. Everybody and anybody. That's actually what my commentary said. <laughs> Pretty much, and they're not quite in those words. But yeah, that's basically what he's getting. He's not talking only about missions, but also about missions. Anybody and everybody. No person, and I think, I think I love what we looked at last week, Acts 1.8, because I think it gives that picture. He says, go and be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and I like to say to the people you know, okay, or the people you like, I'll word it that way. Okay, Jerusalem, the people you like, because he's in Jerusalem with the end, so you go to the people you like, okay? And Judea, that's your community, that's the people you interact with, the people you know. But then he says, and Samaria, that's the people you don't like. Right? Remember the, the parable of the Good Samaritan? 
right? How much the Jews hated the Samaritans, the Samaritans hated the Jews. So you go to the people you like, the people you know, the people you don't like, and then to the ends of the earth, the people you don't know, right? Kind of covers all the bases, right? And that's why missions is so important. I like that all nations because it kind of alludes to, to also Jesus saying in Matthew 24 where in the gospel go forth to the ends of the earth and then the end will come, Jesus says, right? And so that's that picture that global missions in this church has such a strong history of missions. And we are a part of that. We support those missionaries. And when I asked earlier, does that mean um, that we should all go after the service, sell everything we have, and go be missionaries? And we've kind of talked about, no, that's not what that is saying. It doesn't say we have to do that. That's not what go means. But he might be calling some of you to do that. And, and And when we're talking about here about if he has all authority, if he's our master, if we're his disciple and we're to follow him, are you willing? That's kind of the heart check there. What if he did tell you after the service to go sell everything you had and go be a missionary? And we know people who have, you know, done that, have left this life here and gone to be missionaries. We have them connected with the church to go and be that to the ends of the earth. Amen? And he will call some of us to do that. <clears throat> and so we make disciples of all nations. So just to summarize, this is actually just uh, one of the commentaries I use is uh, Warren Wearsby. It's a good one. Just, uh, but this is from Warren Wearsby. And I thought just to kind of summarize that first section pretty well. A, di- a disciple then is one who believed on Jesus Christ and expressed his faith by being baptized. He remains in the fellowship of believers, the church, that he might be taught the truths of the faith. He is then able to go out and win others and teach them. This was the pattern of the New Testament church. In many respects, we've departed from this pattern. In most churches, the congregation pays the pastor to preach, win the lost, and build up the saved, while the church members function as cheerleaders, if they're enthusiastic, or spectators. The converts are, one, baptized and welcomed into the fellowship, then they join the other spectators. How much faster our churches would grow, how much stronger and happier our church members would be if each one were discipling another believer. The only way a local church can be fruitful and multiply, from Genesis, is with a discipleship program. This is the responsibility of every believer and not just a small group who have been called to go and be missionaries. And, uh, I guess that's what I was saying, right? And that's what we're talking about. And, and I want today to be encouraging. We're looking forward to what God's calling. This is preaching to myself as much as, as any of you. I just want you to know that. that uh, and he's put us together. That's why, again, it's so important that we're in one accord. Because we're going to need each other to help each other be obedient to this. If you've ever tried this, it's not easy. But I think that simply what we're coming to, I hope we're all agreeing that being a disciple of Jesus, being a Christian means you should be a disciple, right? And if you're a disciple, you make disciples. That's just the most, it's just a, can I say a fact? It's foundational. Disciples make disciples. And how do we do that? And he gives us a little bit here, and we're going to be looking at in the coming weeks is more detail of how do we obey this baptizing them in the name, go and therefore make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, 
teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. So it starts with baptizing, and we've talked about that a little bit already. Um, And just that baptism. To the early church, I think the early church, the apostles, would have thought a lot of the discussions and arguments and debates we have over baptism nowadays would have seemed really weird to them, really odd, kind of would have dumbfounded them a little bit. Um, The early church really, like, being a disciple meant you were baptized. Like, to, to try and and separate those two would have been really, they wouldn't have understood, right? It's kind of like how we look at marriage today. Like, if you say you're married, we just assume you had a wedding. That's why we have anniversaries, right? Like, it's just, that is the event where you celebrate that. If someone says, when did you get married? What day? You're going to cite the date of your wedding, right? I mean, it's just kind of an assumption. That's the way they looked at baptism. Baptism is like, oh, you're a Christian? Well, then you've been baptized, obviously, unless you were the thief on the cross and couldn't. Like, at first moment... You make it public, right? And that's, that goes to the heart. And so I just will, I think I'll do a sermon on baptism um, at some point. But I want you to get to the heart of it. The point of baptism is that you're identifying and saying, I am a follower of Jesus. I'm a disciple. I've given my life. My desire is to be, follow him, to obey him, to be like him. That is is why I want everyone to know. And that's what baptism is. It's a public declaration of that. And that, it's, it's a public outward declaration of what's going on in your heart. And so you can examine your own heart. If you haven't been baptized, is there, there's different, you know, like, but if, if is the heart, you know, is the reason, are they excuses as to why? Or is there a real reason that you go, my heart has, and I, 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 I show that same heart by the way I live, you know what I mean? Or is it maybe, I don't like getting in front of people, or that kind of a thing, I'm not comfortable, or whatever. And I kind of like to push on you a little bit and say that's kind of the point of baptism, is to kind of make us get out there and show it. So we baptize. So baptizing, again, is, is that first step of being a disciple, is that surrender to follow him. And we see this throughout the book of Acts, Right when they go, it's, Peter goes to the centurion's house. Right, the first time he goes to the Gentiles, he goes there. The Holy Spirit comes on them, and, and they're like, "Let's get baptized." Right? Philip explains the gospel through Isaiah to the Ethiopian eunuch, and he's like, "Is anything stopping me from being baptized?" No. Nope. Hey, there's a river. Let's do it. Right? Like, I mean, it was just like, that's just how they operated. Right? And you see that over and over. So we baptize, and then we teach teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Um, That word all, or teaching them to obey, to observe all that I have commanded you. All. How much is all? Everything. So how long is it going to take you to teach somebody all that Jesus commanded? Your lifetime. How many people think they're, they've got it all figured out and understand all Jesus did so that they're now qualified to do so? <laughs> right? And, but this is important because this is giving us a picture of what he's saying here. This, this baptizing and teaching, this isn't a step one, step two, get the badge scenario, okay? This isn't a, okay, you baptize them, sinner's prayer, get them baptized, step one, step two, teach them, you know, whatever your denomination's statement of faith is, teach them, make sure that they know it, can take a test, A, B, you know, multiple choice or something. Okay, now you get your discipleship badge, your disciple badge, right? That's not what this is. 
we, we can see here already, these are characteristics of being a disciple. Disciples are baptized. That, that's that. Again, that's that surrender and following him. That heart commitment, outward proclamation, I'm a follower of Jesus. So Christians are baptized, and Christians are obey the commands of Jesus, right? And so we are all disciples, and so we're all learning what Jesus taught, and we're looking to obey it. And then we're looking for people that we can invite and say, hey, come follow me as I follow him. Come, let me show you how to follow our master, Jesus. Come along. I might be a little further ahead in the journey than you, and I'll try and help you, and we're going to do it in community, but let's obey what Jesus has commanded together. That's the teaching, and teaching them to obey. And it's important it has the obey there, because I think it's two different things, right? Teaching somebody to do something is different than teaching someone to obey something, right? If you were going to, if you want to test someone on what you've taught them, what do we do? We give them a test. Yeah, we give them a test, right? So you teach somebody something, and then you give them questions, and they have to, if they answer the questions with the information you've taught them, then obviously they've learned it. But how do you test somebody to see if they're obeying what they've taught? What's the test there? Go and work with them for a day? Yeah. And what are you going to look for? Yeah. Yeah. If they obey it. You know, it's too simple, right? It's that simple, right? You know if somebody has learned to obey what you've taught them if they obey it. That makes sense? Sorry? Oh, that's tricky. Giving them temptations. Yeah, there's a test. But are you, like, God does that for us? Is that kind of what you're getting at? Yeah. Yeah, we are tested in this life, aren't we? Obedience is hard. It's not easy. We know that. But again, we go back to that's why point number one from last week that's going to, is we have to have the Holy Spirit. We can't do this on our own. We're going to fail. God gives us the power within us to obey by the power of the Holy Spirit. Ezekiel 36. All right, let's turn there. I don't even know what it says. Ezekiel 36, 26, and 27. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. Thanks, Chris. Amen. I think that sums it up. I'll put that on the notes for next week. And then he ends it back to Matthew chapter 28. Teaching them, to com- every- teaching them to obey, observe all that I've commanded you, and behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. How is Jesus with us? Mm-hmm. In our heart, by, by the Holy Spirit, right? 
that's, again, we see it over and over. This is why he said, wait, right? He is with us by the Holy Spirit, indwelling us. When we commit to be a disciple of his, he gives us the Holy Spirit to dwell within us so that we can be his disciples. It's his power in us. Is that again, abide in the branches. I'm the vine, you are the branches. His word within us, abide in his word. Amen. And he's with us always. What a great reminder. Every moment of the day as, as we go and we're looking to be disciple makers, then we remember that God is with us. We go into our day and we think, okay, Jesus is with me. In the back of your head, this interaction I have coming up, what is Jesus doing in their heart? What's he looking to do? He's with me. He's looking, I'm his disciple, and he's asked me to be a disciple maker. How is he looking to work through me? And he's with us right to the end of the age, like we looked at last week with the angels who said, this, this mission, this commission, is from when he ascended until he comes back again. And we're in there, right? And the last thing I just want to point out there, it's and, and behold, or and surely, your version might say, I am with you always. That and connects it to all the, the commission we just looked at, right? And so, so this, Jesus is with us when we are carrying out, being obedient to his mission. And so, so don't hear what I'm not saying. Um, he's, yes, Jesus is everywhere, all present. He is with us. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. But this is talking about that power, that authority that he grants to us. The power of him working through us happens when we are on this mission and being obedient to making disciples. That's when he is working through us. And so just to end today, um, I want to turn back, or look back just at verse 17. <clears throat> Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them, and when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. I've always just, man, it's hard to find, but some doubted? What more did they have to see? You know, all the miracles and everything leading up to his crucifixion, Die says, I'm going to die, and then I'm going to rise again, and does it. They see him in the flesh. He's eating with them. He's, they're touching his hands and his side. Again, this is probably more than just the 11. This is a greater group of disciples. And you have this contrast between those that worshipped and those that doubted. It made me think of Romans 12.1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, that word could be brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship, or some, it could be translated your acceptable, acceptable service, reasonable service, right? Could that also be, it could also be translated, but that worship, that's what it made me, it's what it made me think of, um, was that there's this picture in verse 17 of these disciples, and when it says they doubted, I don't think they're doubting the facts. I don't think they're doubting who Jesus is. I think it's what we were talking about earlier, it's a doubt of obedience, And there's this group of disciples that meet Jesus on the mountaintop, and he says, okay, yeah, I'm the Messiah. 
I'm, I'm far, and that's far greater than what you pictured. It's not just to be the king and, you know, and restore Israel. It's so much greater. I came to conquer sin and death. I, all authority has been given to me. Every knee will bow, every tongue confess. I'm going to come back someday to make all things right. Okay? And now I am giving you this mission that until I come back, you are to be my disciples. And just like I made disciples of you, you're to go and make disciples who will make disciples. And I'm giving you this mission. And I'm going to be with you. I'm not going to abandon you. I'll give you the Holy Spirit. Wait for him to come. And then your mission to go out. And some worshipped, like it says in Romans 1, and they presented their bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, and they went out on that mission. And you know, every single disciple, apostle of the, the 11, the 12, was martyred. John, they tried a couple times, and God wouldn't let him die. He tried to poison him and boil him in oil, and finally gave up and put him on the island of Patmos. But other than John, every single one of them was martyred for their faith. Um, they were willing to do exactly that, present their bodies as a living sacrifice. That was, that's the choice we have. Are we going to worship God? That's what it means to worship with our whole lives. Or are we going to doubt and the doubt is a doubt of obedience. It's not you're doubting the facts in your head. It's, it's shown by our obedience. Amen. And so let's, uh, let's go with one another. Let's go and be disciple-makers. As you are going, be disciple-makers. Jesus has given us this mission as his disciples, and we must obey. Disciple-making is an active part of our daily life. And being a disciple of Jesus means that we make disciples just like our master did. Amen. Um, does anybody, would anybody like to pray to close? I wasn't planning to do this, but I just, just for the moment. Anybody feeling it on their heart? Just want to close us in prayer? Thanks, Bonnie. Father, we just thank you for coming and being with us, Lord, and speaking to us in what we should do and commanded to do. We just pray that everyone here goes home and thinks, what should I do? How should I do it? God is with you, and he will always be with you. Just make that first step, and you'll see. Father, thank you for being with us. Thank you for the service today. Thank you for us worshiping. We are all glad that we can come together again and be able to worship and thank you for all that you say, do for us, Lord. And we ask that you go before us as we all go in safety. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.